I told myself coming into this game that if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you can't beat a third-string quarterback starting, injury-ridden, wife-beating 49ers team at home, then something is wrong with you. And Rex Ryan said it best. I went into the game honestly not expecting much else but a loss. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go out and hand-deliver a 27-9 victory over the San Francisco 49ers to cap off my Thanksgiving weekend and move their record to 4-7 on the year. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast here today on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. If you're new around here, I am your host, the Bias Buck fan, Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, is my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. And uh, Evan, I hope your Thanksgiving festivities were as good to you as they were to me. Uh, so how was your turkey day? Uh, yeah, well, first off, hello. Good to be back. Um, yep, yep. But Thanksgiving Thanksgiving was good. Uh, just like you said, though, Rhett, it was nice to be capped off with a Bucks win yesterday. Um, sort of like the exclamation point, I guess you could say, right? Oh, it, um, it was it was quite the treat. It, it and really was. I mean, you know, what a full team effort, you know? Um, for the first time, I, I've said this on the show before, the Buccaneers have not really played a, a full 60 minutes yet. And, and yesterday yesterday was a, a full 60 minutes. Yeah. You know? Um, they they dominated the whole game. They they really did. And obviously, we're not going to sit here. The 49ers are bad, okay? Yeah. They're, they're not – this isn't the – the Saints that they dominated, okay? So we're not going to sit here and say, oh, well, maybe, you know, Super Bowl, here we come. But, you know, it was nice to see them finally win a game that they should have won and, and win it handily. And, and so let me ask you a question regarding this win. So as you brought up, the Bucks wiped the floor with a terrible young football team while at home. And to make matters worse, mm-hmm. this young 49ers team is missing its first-round linebacker, who they cut that morning. Yep, it's that's a big distraction. That's it's a big top wide receiver right and their franchise quarterback mm-hmm. who went down with a torn ACL earlier in the year. So beating up this team, what does that really say about us? Because I'm as happy as anyone else about this win. Uh, I mean, I fully thought we were participating in no win November, and we waited until last <laughs> minute to finally get that W in the column. But what does that really say about us? I mean, this team was not good. Well, it says that they aren't as bad as the worst team, you know. Um, they're they're better than the worst team. Um, this isn't to me. This isn't about win, it, and not none of these games are going to be anymore. All right, wins are okay, whatever. This season's not going nowhere. You're not making the playoffs. You're not winning the division. You're not getting a wild card. You actually mathematically cannot win the division. Uh, the Saints, if the actually Saints are Saints fans are going to be rooting for the Bucks next weekend because if the Saints, uh, if the Bucks win, if the Bucks beat the Panthers, the Saints will actually uh, clinch the uh, NFC South uh, for good. And um, the, like I said, the Buccaneers cannot win the the South. But but what I'm looking for is is individual players. And what I saw on Sunday was individual guys stepping up. Uh, we're going to talk about him, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, Jameis Winston played probably with the cleanest game of his career, right? Two touchdowns. If I would have told you 
that James Winston's going to throw 300 yards, going to throw the ball 30-plus times, throw two touchdowns. How many interceptions would you guess he would have? See, I was thinking the uh, the touchdown-turnover ratio was going to be, mm, I'll say 3-1 to be safe. I figured he'd come out, throw three touchdowns, and at least one pick. But that's just because it's what I've come to expect from Jameis. And, mm-hmm. you know, when he went out there and, and had a clean game, as you said, no turnovers. And let me mention as well, he did a great job of protecting the ball when he was in situations where he had to, you know, hunker down and take the sack or whatever it was. There was one play, though, that I want to touch on, and we'll talk a little bit more on Jameis a little bit later in the show because we do have another issue I wanted to bring up. But one play I wanted to touch on that freaked me out a little bit, gave me some Vietnam flashbacks, was uh, he, he tried to, he was under pressure, and I mean, he had Jaquiz Rogers maybe a yard or two in front of him, and he tried this little shovel pass, and I know he wasn't really in a situation where there was anybody who could have picked the ball off, but I just... I don't know, man. Something about Jameis and trying to make a play at the last minute just leaves bad memories. So if it would have worked, I probably would sit here and talk about how great of a play it was. But the fact that it fell incomplete uh, was just something I wanted to to touch base on because I stopped what I was doing when I was watching that play. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, don't, hold on because I'd seen that way too many times before. Oh, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with it. I mean, if you look, it was a – I mean, the offensive line – was okay in this game. Uh, it was a jailbreak. Winston had two guys on him, and I mean, he saw Jaquiz Rogers. He got the throw off clean. Um, I mean, it wasn't like he was just like he didn't see like he was just chucking the ball yeah. up there. Uh, so I didn't really have a problem with that. It's just that's his, his playmaker instinct. He's trying to not take a loss on every play, and and right there, I mean, but also. Early in the game, I believe it was a drive after they had scored a touchdown. First play, Winston goes out, and they're looking for the deep shot to Deshaun Jackson, and Deshaun Jackson is covered. Winston looks, is about to throw the ball, but stops, tucks it away, and takes a sack. Yeah. If he, throws the ball, if he throws the ball, it's picked off. Exactly. And, and that's that, I don't know about playmaking, but that's just that comfortableness in the pocket and and the ability to recognize a play that's going to work as opposed to not going to work. But um, Sunday's win was awesome, and you just brought the guy up. But I think we need to talk about Deshaun Jackson. So the guy storms off the field, leaves the locker room early after a great team win, goes home, jumps on Twitter and Instagram to openly voice his complaints with being underutilized, and then he flexes a bottle of Ciroc just before midnight. So... A guy who vocalized just what a team player he was not even a month ago. And the crazy part is, is it's not even the first or the second time he's pulled this this season. He clearly doesn't want to be here. And I don't know about you, but Jameis Winston seems to gel with just about everybody on the team except for Deshaun Jackson. And the way that I see it, I think I'm finally starting to see what the real problem is here. Yeah, the the reason the reason Jameis Winston and Deshaun Jackson can't connect on a deep ball isn't on isn't all on Jameis Winston. I mean, yeah, it, it helps, you know, if you didn't have the deep ball accuracy of Trent Dilfer, but but, but he can throw the deep ball to perfect to anyone else. He, he can. You and, saw for yourself on the touchdown drive that that ball to Evans was a dime. Yeah, it was. It was one of the prettiest throws I've ever seen him release, and we've seen it now, time and time again from player to player, except for Djax. 
I wish he wouldn't have led Evans out of bounds because that's a touchdown. But, I mean, he scored a touchdown anyway on the drive, so it was still yeah. a good throw. And he connected with Chris Godwin the last game of last year, deep ball. He connected with O.J. Howard earlier this year in the Cleveland game, I believe, on a deep ball. He did that twice to O.J. Howard last year. Cameron Braid isn't really a deep ball guy, so uh, Mike Evans, he's done it before. I don't know if he's, he's ever hit he, Adam Humphreys in stride on a deep ball. I mean, Hump is uh, kind he's of. Never, he's never been in that situation. Remember, do you remember that one play against the Cowboys a few years back? James was rolling out and he threw it up. And it was the one that it Humphrey was like bumbled, right? Yeah, it was tipped, but it landed like right in Humphrey's hands. That's probably the yeah. only deep ball that Adam Humphrey's has seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, James, all I'm going to say is James Winston was at OTAs. Where was Deshaun Jackson? That's rough. So um, when I had brought up Deshaun Jackson vocalizing his uh, his <clears throat> disappointment on social media, he had an Instagram post in particular, and, and what I'm referring to is there was a fan of, of some sort. I don't know if he was a Bucks fan. I doubt it. But that his, his comment was basically along the lines of, wow, they really don't use you the way you should in Tampa. You should request a trade. You would ball out with Philly or Atlanta mm-hmm. or another team like that. Deshaun Jackson responded and was like, wow, I know, right? I mean, that's not what he said. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. Clearly vocalizing his frustrations on an open forum. So after that, I see a bunch of people post about it. I go to check it out myself, and Deshaun Jackson has turned off comments on the post, which means he can't read anything on there anymore. What does that say? says he doesn't want to be here. Let's move on, and honestly... I wish we would have traded him at the deadline. He's easily worth a third or fourth round pick. I I can imagine there's some personnel floating around the NFL, especially during the trade deadline a couple weeks ago, that could have helped this team out a little bit more than Deshaun Jackson has. And it's great that he had the start that he did this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't let me discredit the guy at all. But I don't know, man. He complains about being underutilized. I I think we need to start putting him on uh, some more punt returns. Well, and, and that's his choice. <laughs> He's choosing not to go out for punt returns, you know? Um, yeah, it's not a good look for Jackson. Not a good look for the organization, honestly. Um, yeah, just just overall, just not, not what you want to see. Um, yeah, just, just, not, just not good. Uh, yeah. Especially after it, it would be different, sort kind of different if it was after a loss. But this is after a win where you've just played a complete game, and it then you a, do it that. Was a, it was a great team win at that. It and, was yeah, and and beat, it was a, a win. It was what the Browns game should have been before they gave it up and let it go to overtime. It's what the Redskins game should have been too, but they didn't score any touchdowns. And they did. Um, that's exactly what the Redskins game should have looked like. The defense was playing well. And the Bucs just couldn't score. If the Bucs would score touchdowns, the Redskins game would have looked exactly like that. And uh, speaking of defense, they finally look like they're starting to play some competent football. Wait, Rhett. Yeah. Did, did they? Well, okay, so let me get this straight. The 49ers had the ball, and then they threw it up in the air, and a, Buccaneer, and a Buccaneer caught it. Um, what is that called? Yeah, it, it, it's something that I really haven't seen too much this season. In fact, only one time before this game. So, Bucks come away with two interceptions. The first Not one, two. the first one, made me shit my pants. 
Ryan <laughs> Smith in the end zone. I was at Beefo Brady's watching the game. And I, I threw my hands up in the air. I had a chicken wing in my hand, sauce all over <laughs> my go. fingers, all over my face. I stopped what I was doing and threw my hands in the air because I was so excited to see a Buccaneers defender catch a football. And then later on in the game, with a little over a minute to go, Isaiah Johnson, who we have said nothing but terrible things about on this show, snags an interception to pretty much seal the deal mm-hmm. on that football game. But here's the thing. I said this defense finally looks like they're starting to play some competent football. The secondary did look lost here and there. I wouldn't say nearly as much as they have in the past. But there Dante were Pettis gave Carlton Davis some issues. Yeah, yeah, he did. But overall, that unit is looking better. And they look better against a third-string quarterback missing mm-hmm. his entire receiving core. So, I mean, yeah. it goes back... <clears throat> to the discussion we had at the beginning of the show, what does that really say? These are young guys, and I'm sure that was one hell of a morale boost. But uh, I mean, the second pick was a tipped ball. The first one, the first one was nice. First one was a little bit of an overthrow. Ryan Smith able to take advantage in the end mm-hmm. zone. Mm-hmm. But a third string quarterback. I don't know whether to be happy or still kind of. Still kind of nervous. You want me to be 100% with you? I don't think we get another interception for the rest of the season. Ah, uh, well, they're still playing at home, dude. Yeah, I don't but know. who are they playing at home? Cam Newton? Okay. Matt Ryan? Cam Newton throws some balls? Cam Newton throws some balls that would be picked off. Not against us. He plays the best football of his damn career when he plays well, the Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, Matt Ryan has not looked good this season to me. I'm just saying. Just going to put it out there. And, and speaking of the Falcons, aren't we like a game behind third place? I I don't know. <laughs> that, I that's not I, a good stat. <laughs> yeah, but listen, if we can think, finish third place I, in the NFC South as opposed to last, they, I think they still. I'm not sure if the Falcons and Bucks have the same amount of wins. I do. The Falcons the same either, wins, but I think they yeah, have six four, losses. Five. Well, I mean, well, also, I mean, they they beat the Bucks head to head, so um, division wins are going to be everything. The end of yeah. the year. That's going to determine whether it's another, you know, basement dweller season or um, <laughs> it, it is. It, it really is. Uh, so we, let me. We, we'll, we're going to have to see uh, how this. I mean, it's a big opportunity for this team, especially, you know, they got three division games coming up. Oh, for sure. So, are, I mean, it's a big opportunity. And these are big games coming up. So let me read you this last stretch of the schedule. Bucks just beat the 49ers at home. Next mm-hmm. week, you have the Panthers at home. The uh-huh. week after that, you have the Saints at home. Uh-huh. The week after that, you're in Baltimore playing the Ravens. Yikes. After that, I believe you go to Dallas and you play the Cowboys again. And then you wrap up the season at home against the Atlanta Falcons. A game that I said they're going to lose. I can't speak for the Panthers, Saints, Ravens, and Cowboys, but I still think we're not going to beat the Falcons at home. I think they beat us this year. Do we have a good chance to beat the Panthers and Saints because we're playing at home? Well, here's the way that I look at it. We already beat the Saints once this year. I still can't believe that. Could you imagine the Saints going 14-2 and into the postseason <laughs> and the only team they lost to was the Bucks twice? That's all, that, yeah. I mean, that's all we need for me to talk <laughs> shit until the beginning of, rest, uh, beginning of next year. That's all yeah, we would need. That, that, would, be, that would be something. 
<laughs> that would be something. So you've got a tough schedule ahead of you. Division opponents really just need to see this team come out and, and do what they did against San Fran. you got to play complete football. But back on the defense, our first-round pick finally showed up. Four hey, tackles. he's alive. Yeah, he is. Four tackles and a sack for Vita Vea. I don't know if it was a sack and a half. I think it's just one sack. But four tackles and a sack for Vita Vea. Pretty productive day for him. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad to see him finally get acquainted, and I hope he can keep it up against Carolina because, I mean, he looked good, man. It, it wasn't like a stroke of luck and he was in the backfield. Like, he, he was pretty dominant all day long. Three tackles for loss. And and people can say, people can say that oh it's it's just the 49ers. Well, it, I'm it pretty is, sure. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the center he was matching up against most of the time was a former All Pro. Um, I th I th I think, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's Weston Richburg. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not an offensive lineman to to turn your uh, what what's the expression to turn your nose at. To turn your head at? I don't know. I'm a little I, I, lost. Yeah, there. something, something like that. To sneeze at. He's not an offensive lineman to sneeze at. We'll say that. <laughs> there you go. That works. But he's really coming into his own, man. How can he? How can he keep this up? I mean, I, I know. Well, the, I know the easy answer is he can just go out there and do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he could. He could do that. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is just, just don't, don't think about it too much. You know. Don't and think it's, about it too much. I was thinking about that too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you, when you overthink things, you tend to play a little passive. And, I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul, I didn't hear about this, but uh, Peter, Peter of Work Guys, uh, proud partners of, of the fan page and um, sponsors of this podcast, they, they even said that Pierre-Paul said to Via, like, on the sack, he was like, go. He just went, just don't try to be fancy, just go. And it worked. He's got Vita, the power to do it. As soon as as soon as the ball was snapped, Vita went flying out of there. And that and you could see, and they also said this, you could see why everybody liked him as a top fifteen pick. Because of that speed and power that he can play with, that's what Vita Vea can look like. And maybe, just maybe, and actually, um, Justin Pulowski had had mentioned this and him and I don't always see eye to eye on a lot of things, but I agreed with this. He said, you know, just maybe a rookie needed a, a rookie who missed all of training camp in the preseason needed four to five games to actually get his feet wet. I mean, that's what we've seen. You know what I mean? He's, he, he's finally coming to his own. It's taken him some time. And, and I'm pretty sure that I even said on this very show last week or the week before I was ready to file a missing persons report on him. Well, <laughs> he got his feet wet, he got acquainted, and he came out with a vengeance. So, hopefully he's figured out that he can use his power and make things happen, because we've talked about his power on the show as well. Uh, I mean, yeah, he is... I mean, he's, he's so bad. He can, I mean, he can throw any lineman there is. I, obviously, he's not going to every time, but he can throw any lineman there is straight to the ground. You know, we played the Browns, and when we played the Browns, I don't exactly remember where Joe Thomas lined up when he played for Cleveland, but that'd be an interesting matchup. 
Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he's he's tackle, and Vita's a defensive tackle, so yeah. I'm not sure how much you would actually see it. But I mean, hey, you know, you bring in a double was, team just, or something. Yeah, and... it was it was something. It was good to see, though. It it really was. It was it was good to see Vita get some confidence going, uh, and uh, I definitely think that he's just going to continue to press and all the throwing James people out there. Now, um, they were pretty quiet, right? Yeah. They weren't. You know, we see Derwin James had an interception when the Bucks game finished up, and they're worried about it. If Vita Vey continues to impress and play like that, you're going to hear less and less of Derwin James. And this, I mean, if Jason Light needed a better game for his guys, what better way than that? Carl Nassif, animal. JVP, broke the sack curse, right? We have not talked about this yet. Broke the sack curse. That was actually next up on my notes list. Uh, Well, there we go. And we can can go right into that after I say this. Jameis Winston, no (laughs) turnovers. Mike Evans, right? Mike Evans caught a long ball, had over 100 yards. Adam Humphreys with a touchdown. Cameron Brait with a touchdown. Vita Vea with with the best game of his career. Jordan Whitehead played pretty well. Caro Santos made all of his kicks, including a 41-yard field goal and a 38-yard field goal right down the middle. All those guys were brought in. That looks good on him. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't really think Jason Light's that good and and want him gone. And I've just been saying, you know, I don't really care, right, whether Light stays or goes because the ultimate uh, thing is to win, right? And whoever helps this team win is who I want, but the, the facts are there. And, and this yeah. game was a huge showcase for Jason Light. It, and especially, I mean, Ali Marpet is getting, I, I, I've i heard just all league that Ali Marpet is getting all pro talks. That he's, he's getting, that a lot of people think that he is playing as the best left guard in the NFL today. And if he gets an all pro selection, and Carl Nassib, Jason Pierre-Paul, Vita Vea, Jameis Winston, if those guys continue to play like this, he's not going to go anywhere. And and speaking of JPP, man, I, I hope he's on pace for a Pro Bowl year. I know they're, they're, they're stacking all the votes now. You've got time to vote. But I don't know, man. If there's a Buccaneer I want to see in the Pro Bowl this year, it is going to be JPP. And, and speaking of him, it's time for our favorite segment of the show. The JPP and Carl Nassib hour, minus about 58 minutes. Um, JPP, first and foremost, he went down uh, about halfway through the game. Went into the medical tent, and I mean, he looked badly hurt. And I immediately saw him on the ground, and I was like, that's not good. Because the first thing that I thought of was he he re-aggravated, ah, um, he reaggravated that injury from New York, and I was like, "Oh, that's not good." So I'm, I'm glad he got his ten sacks, and mm-hmm. I was really hoping he's okay. But guess what? He came back in the game. He's he he's been playing tent. hurt. Yeah, he's been playing hurt most of the year. He came back into the game, and I mean, did I want him to come back in the game if he was seriously hurt? No, I really didn't. But that just proves the drive. He doesn't care about your opinions, Rhett. He he really doesn't. 
He cares about <laughs> he cares about going out there and, and as you brought up breaking the sack curse. The first Buccaneer since a little guy named Simeon Rice to get ten sacks in a season, and just like you said, this says tons about Jason Light and the talent he was able to bring in. Carl Nassib, same, same, same principle here. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Carl Nassib mm-hmm. had a it, hell of a game. I mean, especially when like Na- the guys like Nassib and. Um... The guys like NASA, the guys like Bray, the Humphreys, the guys that aren't as easy to find, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, we all knew who he was before they traded for him, right? I'll tell you uh, what, Jay- I didn't think he was a 10-sack Jason Pierre-Paul, though. No, I, he had eight and a half last year, so, I mean, looking pretty good. Oh, yeah. um, you know, so, you know, James Winston, overall pick mike evans seventh overall pick vita vea 12th overall pick i mean it's not but the real i mean finding Quan in the fourth round you know finding adam humphreys finding cameron braid um yeah. you know those those type of pickups are what's gonna keep his job now it's a week-to-week thing next week they could all look absolutely james winston could throw three interceptions cameron braid drops three balls Adam Humphreys drops a touchdown. Vita Vea has no tackles again. Jason Pierre-Paul doesn't have a sack or anything. You know, and then we're, uh, you know, Santos misses two kicks. And then we're saying, oh, well, this doesn't look good now. It's a week-to-week thing. But right now, I think Jason Light has a pretty decent shot at staying. Yeah. It's really just going to depend on how well these guys are able to wrap up the season. Because, yeah, they've come around. Nassib and JPP have been on fire since the beginning of the season. But I'm sure to a lot of people who are paying attention, you know, these rookies, it's later in the season. You've only got four or five more games at this point. And I know I just read the schedule, but I don't know. My mind's somewhere. I believe it's five. I believe it's five. You've only got five more games left at this point. These guys have to consistently go out there, do their jobs, and prove that Jason Light made the right choice. But there was a tweet that I wanted to quote, and I want to say it was you who, who uh, who had posted it up. And it was a little while ago. But it was basically talking about all the guys that you're going to want to hang on to after this season and pretty much build your team around. Because we're talking about the future of this Bucks defense and offense and, and personnel in general. Um, O.J. Howard was on that list. Um, Carl Nassib was on that list. I think JPP was on that list. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I don't... It, it was uh, something along the lines of, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to clean house this off season, these are the guys you need to hang on to. And it uh, was, yeah, I think that was uh, that was JC, that was JC Cornell. Okay. Uh, I I had done my I had done my off season recap, but I think JC was the guy who had had that. I had quoted it and said, like, you know, I was like, damn it, JC. I was gonna like, do yeah. a nice job anyway. Exactly. It was him though, but yeah. Um Yeah, it was a good list. It was a good list. I, I like the idea. It it brings forth a, a better idea of stability when you really look at that list. You know, Chris Godwin, another guy on that list. It it just to me, it reads stability and it, it, it reads these are the guys who are going to be the fruit, uh, the the future, the future of your franchise, um, and they're all guys that we have talked about time and time again, doing great things for this organization. So I'm very, very excited for that. If you're able to find the full list, uh, interrupt me at any time, 
and let me know. Uh, yeah, well, I found it right here. Okay, um, perfect. He said, Bucks Ross are these are the guys in keeping. Marpet, OJ, Evans, was it Justin Evans? Or, you know, Mike Evans, whatever. There's, they're both Evans on the list. Jonathan Humphreys, Jensen, JPP, Barber, just what? Your um, your audio was coming through a little polluted. If you want to start from the top, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, you're all right. Um, anyways, uh, Marpet, Ellie Marpet, OJ Howard, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys, Ryan Jensen, Carlton Davis, Vernon Hargraves, Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber, Justin Evans, Jordan Whitehead, Quan Alexander, Vita Vea, Kendall Beckwith, Levante David, and he said Jameis was playing the season with New Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a list I can... Well, I, would, I would add, I was massive to that list. So. Yeah. I, I don't know why I initially thought he was on that list, but um, but I guess not. But we spent a majority of the show talking about this defense and the way that they were able to play against the 49ers. Let's flip the script and talk about this offense. Two glaring things that this offense did well. First one, Mike Evans hits the 1,000-yard mark on the season. His fifth straight season with 1,000-plus yards. He joins Randy Moss, and A.J. Green is the only receiver to do that over his first five seasons. And if you're asking me my opinion at this point, he is elite. No question about it. Does he drop the ball sometimes when he shouldn't? Absolutely. But he is elite, bar none. Yeah, I mean, you know, this speaks to how well he's done this year. Um, Remember last year in in week – um, 17, when Jameis Winston was trying to force the ball to Mike Evans, and he was trying to force the ball to Mike Evans because Evans was not at a thousand yards yet. Yeah, he he he, he was not it. at a thousand yards yet. He hit it that and last you know, game. Yeah, he finished last season with a thousand and one receiving yards. This season, with five games left, he is a thousand and seventy three. I mean, he's he's doing all the right things. Think about that for a second. A thousand and seventy-three, and there's five games left. I like it. I like it. Mike Evans is everything and more that the Bucks have asked him to be since stepping foot on a football field in a Buccaneers uniform. And I gotta say, man, he is in the running. I'm sure he is plenty of people's favorite player, but he he's probably my favorite Buccaneers player, especially at the receiver position. In a very, very long time. Well, I mean, they, they haven't had an elite receiver like this. They, they really haven't. And I remember during the Pittsburgh game when he broke the, uh, the touchdown record for franchise touchdowns, mm-hmm. everyone's immediate reaction was like, wow, that was pretty quick. That's, that's pretty disappointing. But the point you had brought up is the Bucks have never had, in my eyes, they've never had a long-term, and I consider Mike Evans long-term. He's going to play a lot more years here. They haven't had a long-term elite wide receiver. And that's just that's the in and out of it. But he's out here doing great things, man. I'm I'm really glad we ended up drafting him years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if if Jason Light missed on that pick, Mike Evans is making him look good because Jason Light passed on Odell Beckham Jr. He also passed on Aaron Donald. Um, but I mean, every 
you don't hear a lot of people say that, oh, Jason Light passed on them and him yeah. because they got Mike Evans. Can you imagine if they would have drafted someone other than Mike Evans? Oh, oh I'm God. Sure, I'm sure the discussion would have been, you know. Jason Light would have already heard. been gone then. I mean, Jason Light would have been would definitely gone. If, if you if you didn't draft Mike Evans and you drafted a guy like Sammy Watkins, who hasn't been bad, Ooh. but not on Mike Evans' level, and the guys after him are Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Aaron Donald, yeah, you're gone. Yeah. And funny thing about Mike Evans, too, is um, I'm pretty sure I brought it up at the end of the show last week, but I went out of town uh, for Thanksgiving. I went up to Greenville, Tennessee, probably one of the smallest towns in the state. It's a good old boy. And you went to... And you went to have Thanksgiving with Marcus Mariota. Well, I <laughs> I went to the mall. I don't remember. I want to say it was Johnson City Mall. But there was this kiosk. And it, he was selling signed merchandise. And it was, this, it, was this, uh, it was this younger kid. And I walk up. And I'm just kind of looking around. You got a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers memorabilia. You got some movie posters. You got a whole lot of Odell stuff. You got, um, you've got a signed DAC jersey. Most of it's all signed. You know, it, it's it's the guys who bring a box to the meet and greets kind of kind of signed. But I'm looking around for Buck stuff, and he, he walks up to me. He's like, hey, man, can I help you look for anything? I said, oh, to be honest, it's probably nothing you guys have. Um, he's like, well, what are you looking for? I said, oh, well, I'm a Bucks fan. And he goes, oh, okay. And um, he's like, how are you guys doing this year? I said, Pfft. I laughed at him. I said, I said, we're pretty trash. I said, it's, it's not going too well. He's like, yeah, it'll get better. And then he goes, Giannis is tearing it up, though. And I looked at him, and I was like, what did you just say to me? He's like, Giannis, he's out there tearing it up. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He, we sat there for two or three minutes and had a conversation about the Milwaukee Bucks. Because in my head, I'm like, wow, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are that irrelevant. I, I, I'm pretty sure oh, I was wearing, I, I'm, I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I was wearing my Bucks hat as well. So that made uh, matters worse. Uh, <laughs> at, first, at first, when you were saying Giannis, I was, I was like, is he pronouncing James wrong? See, and then well, I got it. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's what I had thought. When he was saying Giannis, I'm like, uh, Jameis? Like, no, man. Well, so that interaction happened. And then uh, a little bit later, kind of tying in everything I had said about Mike Evans, I went into another sports store that was there selling jerseys and everything, kind of like a pro image sports down here. So I go in there, and I'm looking at all the jerseys on the wall. The only piece of Buccaneers memorabilia in that store is a Mike Evans jersey. And I was like, yep, you know, Mike Evans is, you know, you can talk about Jameis, but I think everyone can agree that Mike Evans is the elite standout player on that Bucks offense. And you know what? O.J. Howard's going to be up there in a couple of years as well. But Mike Evans doing great things. Now, I've been saving this topic for last because I know it's going to be an interesting discussion. And I know we've touched on it a little bit beforehand, but we're going to bring it all back around. And it has to do with quarterback Jameis Winston. The way that I see it, Jameis Winston, if he wants to keep his job in Tampa, he's got to play the rest of the season the way he played against San Francisco. I mean, no interceptions against San Fran. I'm not going to say that he has to be turnoverless. That's a word. I'm not going to say that he has to have zero turnovers for the rest of the year, but he's got to cut back on them, and he's got to do more good than bad. Um, so let me read you this stat line from Jameis against the 49ers, because you had brought it up earlier in the show. It wasn't a blockbuster day, but it was smart football. 
29 for 38 passing, 312 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. I mean, no interceptions, smart decision-making. This is the Jameis that I fully support, and it's the Jameis that I know and love. So, what are your thoughts on it? You don't know this, Jameis. This is not a, a typical Jameis Winston game, right? Oh, it's not. But it's the Jameis that, that I love. Uh, let me, let me mean, say that. You wish it. Well, yeah, I mean, but also something that Pewter Report guys have brought up. Is that going to be enough to beat the Saints or the Panthers or, or the Falcons? No, it, it's not. You know, he's going to have to make some, take some more chances, which could lead to more interceptions, but it could lead to more touchdowns. Who knows, you know? But the biggest thing, I think, is, yeah, when to take a sack, when to check it down. That's, that's something that we've seen. And actually, we saw this year even that he started to do more. It's just he had one bad game. I'm telling you. I mean, he even said in his press conference this week, he said, you know, the Atlanta game, I played good. He said, I had one boneheaded play. He said, the Cleveland game, I had one boneheaded play in overtime. He said, I was playing good football, guys. Then he said, I had one horrible game in Cincinnati. And that was it. So, I mean, then he comes back and plays another good football. You know, he comes back second half versus the Giants, plays good, and then plays a whole solid game against the 49ers. So, I still think there's a lot of potential here. And I think that he will stay on as the Buccaneers quarterback. Um, you know we, what I think it is? I don't know ahead. if you. I don't know if you've noticed. I'm sure you have. But these past few weeks, Jameis Winston's been sporting a visor. You had made a joke one time about it being prescription. Maybe it's allowed him to see deeper down the field. But ever since that exactly. visor's That's... come on, he's been balling <laughs> out. I'm sa- I'm telling you, there's, that visor is actually like glasses. <laughs> because you yeah. always see him squinting and stuff, and now you don't. I'm telling you, there's something with that visor. <laughs> Uh, he's added more gear this year than ever. He's wearing the glove now. Now he's wearing the visor. Right? right? I'm liking he's it. He's swagging up. Yeah. <laughs> I dig it, man. The NFL is going to launch a full investigation on, like, Jameis Winston visor to see if it gives him a competitive edge. Maybe there's, like, some computers in there. Like, have you seen the Iron Man movies? It's kind of like Jarvis in the suit. He's able to <laughs> yeah. talk to it. It identifies targets and everything. I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy and overthinking it, but... Yeah, I like what you said. You know, the game against San Francisco isn't going to be enough to beat a team like Carolina or New Orleans. Or, you know, if we're if we're talking Atlanta at this point, maybe it could beat Atlanta because they're not super good this year. But it's a division game. You got to go out there and you got to play your best football. And I don't know if 300 yards and two touchdowns is the best football we've ever seen from Jameis Winston. But look, if he keeps it consistent and he does what he has to do and we win games and it's all right in my book. I'll take just, a Jameis. Just no, just no bonehead plays. Yeah. You know, you're going to throw interceptions. Everybody is. That's fine. Don't go chucking it up in the air for an easy interception. Make the defense work for it, you know? Don't try to play hero ball and fumble the ball. Make the defense work for those turnovers. It's going to happen, right? You're going to throw interceptions. You're going to have fumbles. But you got to be smart with it. You can't just give the defense free, free possession, you know? can't hand it to him like the Green Bay game. I, I think that was probably the worst pick six of Jameis' career was that Green Bay game because it gave me flashbacks of um, of the well, he had ball. the He had the – oh, yeah, yeah, the, the fumble. I know he what you're talking about. fell backwards. Uh, fumble, yeah. Fumble. Yeah, we'll call it a fumble. I, I mean, he literally – you watch back. 
he fell backwards and just threw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right I mean, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I know. And, I mean, it doesn't help that the offensive line isn't that good, but still, can't happen. Um, something he's got to fix. Something hopefully he does fix. I mean, but, yeah, like you said, consistency's key. You know, he could play like this, and then, but next week he could go out and throw three interceptions and we're back to square one. Yeah. Can't happen. Now, uh, a quick injury update before we wrap things up here. Um, DeMar Dotson went down with an injury. It looked pretty bad. I never saw him come back in the game. Do we have anything on him? Because, I mean, Cur- that right side of the line is hurting if yeah, DeMar Dotson is out. Currently, I mean, he didn't come back. I don't, I won't have anything until probably Wednesday when they practice. So, um, really don't know. Don't know about Jason Pierre-Paul. Vinny Curry was able to come back this week, so that's good. He actually had a few pressures. Um, uh, I'm not sure about Ronald Jones. He was still, I guess he was limited all week in practice. I guess the hamstring still isn't 100% yet. Uh, the Buccaneers only really used Peyton Barber to quiz Rogers, so Sean Wilson's on IR. They didn't use Dara Ogunbowale at all. Um, Wasn't he returning? Well, I mean, like, in the running back position. Okay, yeah. Um, so they didn't they didn't really use him. So I would expect Ronald Jones probably be back this week. Dotson doesn't look good. I would expect probably miss at least one game. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul probably is going to play it out. Um, hopefully they can get Le- Levante David back this week. I don't know about Justin Evans because, like I said, he was in a walking boot last week. So whenever you're in there, um, you know, it's maybe the yeah, maybe the week after that for Justin Evans. But I think if you can get Levante, Ronald Jones back, you know, and get Jason Pierre-Paul playing, I think he should be all right. All righty, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, or Google Play. You can follow the show on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. One word, Cannon Fire Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Cannon Fire Pod. Make sure you follow my new Instagram page at BiasedBuckFan. There you can see me yell and scream and lose my voice about this team every single Sunday. You can follow my co-host Evan at BucksWave, formerly BucksFootball, on Instagram and Twitter as well. Make sure you check out our partners at PewterReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. And don't forget to check out our sponsors at CoolTowel.com. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan. Hope you ate a lot of turkey and took a lot of naps. Let's get ready for this last quarter of football. We'll see you next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.